good after morning. It's after something like that. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here today. Those of you watching us online, uh, I've already gotten reports of beach viewers today. And uh, spring break is alive and kicking all over the country, I guess. But uh, wherever you're at watching us online or in the house, thank you guys for being here today. And hey, I've asked Randy Graybill, who's one of our board members, to come and lead us in a time of prayer today. Um, You guys know that we love to pray for moves of God across our city and region. And and I just believe, Randy, that, that we are that culture is primed for a move of God, for revival to break out. There have been ripple, ripplings of it over the last several weeks. And, and I just believe that, that now is the time for us as the church to, to run hard with the hope that we profess. Amen. And we're going to talk more about that in a few moments, but, but I've asked Randy, Randy is, is an incredible man. He's been with us for, man, you've been with us a, 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 quite a while. Uh, for years, probably around 11, about 12 years now, I believe. And uh, Randy has been faithful and served in various capacities. He leads our, our Man U men's ministry here. He is a board member. Uh, Randy also is, is kind of stepping in with us as a staff and kind of coordinating and keeping us as an organization moving forward. You guys can tell that I need all the help I can get, right? I mean, you hear me, right? And you know that I'm just squirrel moments all over the map, right? And so Randy kind of brings some operational expertise. He's the guru of all things moving forward. That's what he helps us with. And, and I'm just thankful for how God wired you. Um, a country boy from Oklahoma. How many of you know the, go- the gospel is for all people? Amen. But I love Randy and I love you. And will you just pray and ask God to move? Amen. Thank you. If you'll grab the hand of the person next to you. Thank you, Lord. People, I come together with this prayer. We are family, aren't we? Amen. So I pray with my family now. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for being in our lives. Yes. Father, thank you for being a creator who cares for his creation. You are the potter. We are the clay. Holy Spirit, will you just move today and shape us the way you want us to be? Father, I come to you today to sing that the world is so upside down. Men are being taught other things. Women are being confused. And our children, our children are being blasted with so many evil teachings. So, Father, we pray right now. We pray for a move of God. Yes. Father, and it starts right here with this man next to me. Father, I want to say thank you for our pastor. Father, thank you for Pastor Jason. Father, we just lift him up right now. Father, may we recognize that he is our spiritual leader. Father, may he be the voice for you today. May it just be a conversation to us. May we truly understand the word of God through him today. Father, I just lift up all our pastors right now. Father, they too are our spiritual leaders. And Father, it's just not with us. We pray for all the churches here in Kendall County. Amen. We're praying for a move of God to sweep through Kendall County. Come on, Lord. Even move down to San Antonio. Watch out. We pray for the pastors right now as they're in the pulpits. Father, may you just reach down and touch them right now. May they understand that somebody's praying for them right now. Yes. Father, I just pray that you, now you, 
Your scripture tells us that before you went to the cross, that you prayed for unity. Mm. So, Father, that's the way I close tonight, today. Father, I praise that you unite us together in oneness. Mm. And uh, may we just hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're amazing. Yeah. So good. We do pray for a move of God. You know, there's something that when somebody of status or celebrity makes an appearance or schedules an event, have you ever noticed all the to-do that goes into making that happen? I, I mean, if they schedule an appearance or an event or a parade or their presence is not, I mean, they're, 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 there's a tremendous amount of planning and preparation that goes in. Invites are sent out to, to special dignitaries or people that, that they want to be present there. there. There are beautification projects that may happen. I mean, the red carpet seems to be rolled out when somebody of significance makes an appearance. Amen? Uh, uh, there, you just can't get away from it. Think about the Olympics. A nation doesn't just flip. Hey, I think we ought to hold the Olympics next month. No, years go into planning of that. Stadiums are built. Arenas are placed in areas where nothing existed. Roads go in. Hotels are built, right? I mean, nations prepare for years and spend quazillions of dollars getting ready for uh, an event of global proportions, right? Wow. I, I was reading a story about a, uh, a Japanese emperor from centuries ago that had a vision and a dream of, 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 of painting a bird. And he wanted this bird's presence in, in, his, present, in his presence. And so he commissioned an artist and, 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 and shared with them the, the specific species of bird that, that he would like painted. And he sent the artist on his way. Months went by. Years went by and still no bird painting for the emperor. He soon became frustrated and angry and summoned the artist back into his presence. Said, listen, I, I ask you to, to, to prepare this painting for me. Where is it? And at that, the artist sat down and began to paint an incredible painting of this specific bird that the emperor longed for. Why did it take you so long? It's been years in the Why has it taken you so long? To that, the artist led the emperor into a room in which there were hundreds, maybe thousands of renderings, gallons of paint all in this room and paintings of what a bird's feather looks like or its beak, its eyes. It's what its wings look like and the feet. This artist had been preparing for that special time when the bird was ready to be painted. Preparation went into it. I, I remember our first trip that we led in 2007 with a group of people from this church. We went to Uganda, Africa. We landed there in Entebbe and, and, and the airport there in Entebbe is it's not one of those airports that you know you would put on your bucket list. Man, I just need to go visit this one. It's like off the it, it was much more like, hey, do y'all remember the old TV show called Wings? You know, remember that one where it was just kind of like one lady on a microphone or a dude? I mean, it was just that armed guards and things like that. And all my ideas and visions of Africa were, were soon shattered as we begin to make our way from 
that airport. You see, I was just used to whatever the reel-to-reel videos or movies, not videos, movies. Y'all remember the... You remember the reel-to-reel films we used to watch? The missionaries would come to our church and show us this is what Africa's like or... My, my, my vision of what Africa was, was, was limited to what, Ooh, who remembers Encyclopedia Britannica long before Wikipedia, right? We had the Encyclopedia Britannica that would show us what life. That's what I knew of Africa. As we left the airport that day in Entebbe and began to make our way to our, our next stop, man, I was blown away with what I saw. What looked like an airport in, in really a third world country and kind of run down low maintenance and, and, and no lounges or snack shacks for us to grab something to eat. Man, the, the, the leaving the airport was a completely different picture. The, 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 the roads were absolutely perfect. Come to find out, this was, we were there a month before the Queen of England was coming to visit Uganda. And so preparations had gone into place to make sure that after she left the airport, the things that she saw on whatever her route was would look pleasant. The roads were perfect. I mean, listen, we need them to come fix I-10 for us. Amen. I mean, it was flawless, freshly painted. There was no trash anywhere on the roads where there once were, where, where massive trees had been leveled and beautiful plants of all sorts of colors had been planted there. I mean, everything was in order and pristine. Why? Because the queen was coming. The people had prepared. We are gearing up for what I believe is a visitation of epic proportions here at 1910 Church. As we gear up and and prepare these next few weeks for Easter, I want you to know that we are getting ready for the King of Kings to make his appearance. We are getting ready and trying to prepare the way so that Jesus can come and do what Jesus does. Listen, when you read the Bible, do you ever read the Bible? Come on, do you have one of these? Listen, if you don't have one, I want you to come see me afterwards and I want to put one in your hands. The, pro- the reality is statistics say that we all have probably about 13 of these laying around our house collecting dust. But that's a message for a different time. I just want to encourage you to get in the word of God. When you read this, you're going to find that this idea of preparing and preparation is a big deal. Throughout scripture, there are, there are, there are evidences of, of people preparing and getting things ready for God to move or do something, right? I, I'm reminded in the book of Exodus chapter 12 where, where uh, Moses, uh, the children of Israel are still in, in bondage and, and Pharaoh's held them captive. And, and we know that the Lord sends a series of plagues. There were 10 of those. The 10th one was this plague of, of the killing of the firstborn. You remember that? And uh, Moses sent word to the children of Israel so that death would pass over their house to prepare. Anybody remember what they did? They painted their doorposts with blood of sacrifice, right? And that was the indicator for the angel of death. But Moses had to give word, please prepare, prepare yourselves. I'm reminded in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah and his battle with the prophets of Baal. You remember that story? 
Remember whose God is greater? Baal thought, they thought their, their God, Baal, was, was, was more powerful. Of course, Elijah believed in Yahweh. And so we get this, let's get ready to rumble. And it was on like Donkey Kong, was it not? It was on. Prophets of Baal build their altar. Call down fire was the challenge. They built theirs, got the wood ready. Bull, the sacrifice on the altar. And they begin to call to their God. Nothing happened. They begin to call and nothing happened. Harder, harder. It came to the point. I love humor. There's humor in the Bible. You ought to, do you ever read it? You ought to read it sometimes. There's humor there. Because Elijah comes to them and just, it just, where is your God, he says. Is he maybe relieving himself? That's funny. Come on. That's a funny of biblical proportions. Where is he? We know that Elijah then says, okay, your God didn't show up. Now let me show you what my God is capable of. We know that he prepared an altar, 12 stones, one stone symbolic of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, stacked it with wood, right? Laid the sacrificial lamb or uh, uh, bull on top of it and sacrificed it, quartered it up perfectly. Klein's meat house would be so impressed with their quartering of it. And then he gave this command. I want you to go fill four jars of water. And they did, and he poured those four jars of water over that altar. He had also dug a little trench around the altar, kind of a moat, you might say. He says, I want you to go fill those jars up again. They did it a second time. Pour it over the altar. Do it a third time. It says that the altar was saturated and it filled into the trench, the moat around the altar. And then Elijah called on Yahweh to come. And he did, did he not? Consume that altar, the sacrifice, the wood, and licked up all the water, scripture says, in that trench around it. But preparation had to take place for God to come and do what God does. Are you with me so far? I'm reminded in Psalm chapter 23, we looked at this throughout the month of January. Can you believe it's, that was two months ago. Christmas is coming. Just want you to know it's, it's on its way. Anybody still paying for it? Yeah, this last one. Uh, we looked at this passage in, in Psalm chapter 23, verse 5. David says, the Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Preparation's a big deal. Preparing for a move of God. Well, we're people of the New Testament. Some say, let's get rid of the old. Let's just look at the new. You can't do that. You got to have them both in order for it to be the Bible and the word of God. Can't do one without the other. But in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus knows that his final week, physical week here on earth was coming to an end. He sends his disciples into the city to go and prepare a meal. Go to the upper room. You're going to find a man and go and prepare the room, prepare a meal. And, and when the time is, I will come and we will eat together. Preparation. I guess maybe one of my favorite images of preparation actually is in John chapter 14, where Jesus shares with his disciples that, hey, I'm about to leave. The time of my departure is coming soon. And and I'm going to be leaving you. Well, where are you going, Lord? Listen, we've abandoned everything. We've left our families. We've left our businesses. We left everything we know to follow you. It's just been three years. Now what? Jesus gave them these assuring words. Hey, make no mistake about it. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will return 
so that where I am, you may also be. But I've gone to prepare a place for you. Of course, we know that that's heaven, right? Come on, somebody. Are you going to be in heaven with me? I hope you are. And you know what gives you a ticket to heaven? Ching, you know what your ticket is. It's whether you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, where you believe that he was the son of God and he died on the cross for your sins. Oh yeah, we all have that in problem. We all have that in common. That is all our problem. We are sinners. But God in his great love for us demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. You see, what I do with Jesus determines where I spend eternity. But Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, make no mistake, I will come back and take you to be where I am also. Preparation is a big deal. Preparing for a move of God. Preparing for Jesus to show up and do what Jesus does. So here's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. I want us as a church to begin to prepare for a move of Jesus. Are you with me there? We need to prepare the way for Jesus to come in and do what he wants to do. Are you with me there? In the book of Isaiah, say Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, listen to what the word of the Lord says beginning in verse 3. Isaiah says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord, make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and the hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then... The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Clear the way. Fill in the potholes. Remove the obstacles. Level things that might hinder. Pick up litter. Anything that might be an eyesore or distraction. It is time, Isaiah is saying, for us to get ready. We need to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, it was a custom for for years and and may still be in in, in some of the the, the Eastern cultures that when the monarch was going to set out to go and view his domain, he would send a group of men, a team of men to go out before him and remove any obstacles, any boulders, any rocks, fill in the potholes, hey, level things, clean it up, spice it up so that when I come through and all of my special guests, the other dignitaries, Everything is proper and fitting and ready for a king to make his appearance. I believe that it is time for us to prepare ourselves for a move of God. I believe just as Isaiah was saying here, hey, get ready. We need to be prepared so that God can come and do what God wants to do. Are you with me there? Oh, valley, you be raised up. Mountain, you be made low. We're preparing the way of the Lord. 
It's interesting to me that these words were written in Isaiah here about preparing the way for the glory of the Lord. These words were written 700 years before Jesus would ever be born. Talk about preparation. Olympic committees think that their eight years or 10 or 12 years is a long run, but 700 years of preparation. We know that in the book of Malachi, which was the last prophet that would speak, God even refers to this one that would come before and be the preparer that would clear the way for the messenger to come. And then after that word in Malachi, 400 years, nothing. Silence from heaven. No prophet. No word spoken. 400 years. But then we know that Jesus is born and burst onto the scene. And, and I love in the book of Mark, we read about the one that, well, Isaiah was speaking of that would be one to prepare the way for the Lord. His name, of course, was John the Baptist, right? Talk about somebody that could prepare the way, right? We know that that was John's purpose while he was here. In fact, it says in Mark chapter one, beginning in verse one, it says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. It began just as, oh, here it is. Just as remember that prophet Isaiah that we just read. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. That messenger being John, John, He's a voice shouting in the wilderness. Oh, come on, somebody. John could preach. And it was a radical message. He's saying, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger, of course, it says in Mark was John the Baptist. And he was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turn to God to be forgiven. Don't you love baptism? Didn't you love that last Sunday as we celebrated? Those that had repented of their sins and asked Jesus to save them and they stood right over here and publicly declared. John was called the Baptist, not because of the church he attended. By the way, you know that denominations are man-made, right? They're not God-made, they're man-made. Denominations happen because, well, that very thing that Randy prayed for he prayed for unity, but sometimes there's disunity. And over the years, we kind of have created our own traditions or ways of doing it and what have you. So that's why we have like multitudes. Anyway, John's called the Baptist because he's baptizing people. You see, the Jewish culture believed in ceremonial ritualistic baptism that was symbolic of purifying themselves for their sinfulness, their wickedness impurities. In fact, if you would go to Israel with me this April, I would love for you to go. I'm going to show you something. They're called mikvahs. Mikvahs are these baptismal pools outside the, the city of, 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 of Jerusalem there. And, and they were little, they would step down into these carved out pools full of water and they would ceremonially dip themselves, immerse themselves in these, come back out of it. Symbolic of them cleansing themselves of their impurities and their sin. 
this crazy man, John, begins to preach a different message. Not one about ritual, not one about ceremony, but one about transformation and repentance. In fact, he was so crazy. Not only was his message crazy, but, but, but look what it says. He not only be baptized and repent of your sins, but verse five says, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. His message was so countercultural. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now look, talk about a fashion statement. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. Anybody go to Tractor Supply for your outfit today? I just need a load of camel hair and, and just a little leather belt around it. Scandalous. His clothes were woven coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And for food, locusts and honey, bro. Now I know crickets are making a comeback in our culture. I saw it on Shark Tank about protein and things like that and bars of crickets and all that. I'm gonna stick to steak if that's okay with anybody. Amen. But John was announcing someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. He's so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John knew that he was not the Messiah. John just simply knew what his role was to prepare the way for the Messiah to come and do what the Messiah can only do. John was a messenger. John knew what his calling in life was. John was never desiring to be first chair. John never wanted to be the one. In fact, it's interesting that in this story, many of you know what happens next. Jesus finds John in the Jordan River baptizing and asks John to baptize him. Wow, no pressure there, baptizing the Son of God. Hope I don't screw this one up, right? But yet we know that John was, even though he thought he was unfit to tie, untie the straps on Jesus' sandals, Jesus says, John, do this. And Jesus modeled for us obedience. Jesus modeled in his baptism for us, setting a new trajectory in our lives. When, when he comes in and takes over, we're just different people. That's how Jesus began his earthly ministry, with the baptism. Not just ceremonial, ceremonial cleansing and ritualistic process. No, the message of John and the message of Jesus is heart transformation. It changes a person. You see, I can go and bathe and dip myself all day, every day in a mikvah. Or I can step in with my water softener shower that I got and cleanse myself time and time again. And it might wash off the impurities on the outside. But I'm telling you, my friend, if you want to be cleansed and transformed from the inside, it depends on what you do with Jesus. That's the invitation. Jesus brings that. And that's what John was preaching. And that's what Jesus was all about. I love what John's message was. John's message was pretty, pretty simple. Seminary classes teach young preachers, you need to have a three-point sermon. They all need to alliterate. You need to start with the same letter, blah, 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 whatever. John had two points to his. I like two points because Jesus said it's really about two things, love God and love others. John's two points would have been this, confession 
and repentance. That's John's ammo. Dr. Billy Graham would preach John 3, 16, just about every city, every crusade he ever conducted. John would preach confession and repentance. You know why? Because John understood that confession and repentance precede a move of God. Confession. Admitting that there are some things not right in our lives. Am I talking to anybody right now? Repentance, meaning that not only do I acknowledge it and see that, but I literally stop it and I move away from it. That word repentance is symbolic of a 180 degree turn. You go a different direction with your life. That's what John's preaching. Repent of your sins. Confess your sins. Repent of that. Be baptized. Confession and repentance, check this out, were necessary. And when the time was just right, after that message had started to get out, Jesus comes. Come on. Jesus comes. The messenger was preparing the people. The messenger was preparing the way. The messenger was not the message. He was simply preparing the way for Jesus to come and do what Jesus can only do. You see, church, I believe that that's our calling. And I believe that at a time maybe like any other in history, I believe our world is screaming at us, the church, for direction. They're looking for hope. In a world of insecurity, they're looking for security. They're looking for answers. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. And we have it. We have it. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news of Jesus. It's what John was preaching. It's what Jesus embodied. And it should be the message for every evangelical church in America and around the world. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. And we have it. In fact, there's probably someone you know that needs that answer. They need Jesus. And my question is, what are you doing to help them find him? You see, I believe that preparing the way means that we need to confess our sins. We need to seek forgiveness. I think preparing the way for us would cause us to inspect our lives and see, hey, does our conduct match up with Jesus? Come on, Christian. Hey, spoiler alert. Can I just tell you something? Hey, Christian, you're supposed to act like Jesus. that simple. I don't know what God would want me to do. Just act like Jesus. It's that easy. So easy yet so hard, is it not? Come on, anybody struggle with that or just this preacher up here on the platform? It's hard, isn't it? They cut me off in traffic. There's fireworks at night drive my fur babies crazy. You know, the neighbor's yard's infested with, you know what I'm saying? I just, we get so jacked up, so fired up. They said this about me. Just act like Jesus. People, do you know somebody? My question is, what are you doing? 
to point people towards Jesus. Because let me remind you, that is our calling. We are called to point people to Jesus. John wasn't called to draw a crowd and point people to himself. No, no, no. John was called to point people. Oh, here, there he is. Oh yeah. Here he comes. Here comes the son of God. Here he comes. This one that I've been telling you guys about. There he is, Jesus. Come on up. What, what? I need a bat? No, no. Jesus, just come over here and do what you do. There he is. John knew that Jesus was the draw. In fact, church, can I just tell you something I've been impressed with and just reminded of over the last few weeks too? Jesus says this, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Hey, church is really easy. All you gotta do is lift up Jesus. When I lift up Jesus, he says, ooh, I will draw all men to myself. But guys, the lives we live should be demonstrating to them who Jesus is, right? So I'm going to make this personal today if I can. What will you do to prepare the way for a move of God? But what, what, what do you need to do to, to become that, that, that one who is a way prepare? What, what are those stones that need to be removed? What, what, what are the potholes? What are the dips in your witness or in your life? Hey, what are some of the obstacles around? Hey, is there some trashiness in you that needs to be cleaned up? Hey, listen, are there some things? Listen, what do you need to do so that you can prepare the way for the Lord. Well, I can tell you what I believe needs to happen today. And this is how I want us to end our time together today. And it goes back to what John said. Church, it's time for us to confess and repent. Oh, come on. I've already done that once. I'm just telling you, this is not a one and done thing because we still make decisions and do things that go against God's perfect plan and will for our lives. But the great thing about a gracious God in heaven is that because of Jesus in us, he forgives us whenever we confess to him. You don't have to confess to me. We don't have to confess to God wants us to bring it to him and identify it. So here's how we're going to end our service today. I simply want to invite you to the altar. I, I want to invite those of you that are watching us right now to, to, to find a space. And you might be in public right now. You might be playing skee-ball at Dave and Buster's for all I know, right? It's going to be awkward. That's okay. It's okay. But I want us to create some space for us to allow the Spirit of God to move in us first. Jason, I've already received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in my life. That's great, but you probably still have some junk and funk that you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to spotlight in you that are still a hindrance and a roadblock from people walking towards Jesus. Or maybe you're here today, maybe you're listening to us online today and you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart be Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, it starts today when you confess your sins to him and say, Jesus, would you save me and forgive me my sins? Come into my life, cleanse me. And I just wanna let you know the blood of Calvary covers a multitude of sins. And there is no one that is too bad or too far gone in which the blood can't cleanse. Are you with me today? And so we're not going to sing a song. 
fact, we just have some music playing softly. And I just want to call us as a church to time of prayer. I want to invite you to come and kneel at the altar before the Lord and just allow the Holy Spirit of God to meet you as we prepare a way for a move of Jesus.
psalmist declares, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who stands with clean hands and a pure heart. Search us, O Lord, and purify our hearts. See if there is any wicked way within us. Remind us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He loves us. He welcomes us into his presence. Scripture says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away and all things become new. Aren't you thankful that God makes us new. Wow. We're just going to end officially and you can linger and hang as long as you feel led to do. Our ministry team will be available today to Maybe come alongside of you if you would like to be prayed over and encouraged. The altar is going to remain open. But I would love for us today to just leave with this thought of how am I preparing the way for a move of God? And and, and not just to delete that thought when we leave this campus, but to let that be something we ask ourselves daily. Is that okay? God, how can you, how can I be a part of preparing for a move of your spirit? Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus, that's my prayer, is that we would do whatever's necessary for you to come and do what you want to do. Let us not be a hindrance or roadblock. We confess, we repent so that you can have your way. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. You're dismissed.